glad to see you again. Welcome to our church. Welcome to our online streaming. Thank you for tuning in again with us. We're happy to know that you're there as well. And we're welcoming everyone who's here and also the ones who are online. If you have any prayer requests, if you have any needs that we might be able to help you with, please write to us. Write to us in our website or on, on, on our uh, page email, and we would like to know you more. We would like to get back to you as well. Uh, we started a series last week, and it's about uh, parables of Jesus and the way he teaches certain things, certain lessons. And, and one thing that we will learn from these parables are two variables, two constant things that he teaches through the parables. And I want you to, to, to have those in mind. I want you to think about them as well. Number one, when Jesus opens up parables and when he talks about parables, he will open up with the statement, the kingdom of God is of such. The reason why he uses parables is because he's trying to explain what the kingdom of God looks like. And the very simple way to do that is by opening with a parable, with a simple lesson of some simplicity something that is happening and he takes it to the uh, in a deeper sense to to allow us to understand uh the ways of how heaven works the ways of how the kingdom of god works and this is so important because in the days that jesus is preaching i'm gonna stay here in the days that jesus is preaching uh people had some sort of ideas of how the kingdom of god looked but in many cases, they did not came clear, and the picture wasn't as clear as it should have been. It was blurry. So the way he opens up the frame and he starts painting a nice picture of how God looks, how God interacts with his people, how God wants to have a relationship with you and with me, is goes through the parables. And that's the way he pictures now how God works, how everybody can, can understand um, Jesus' uh, character. The second thing he's going to talk about in every parable is not just about the kingdom of God, but it's also going to talk about the salvation, how God wants to save his people and the way he works, the way the Holy Spirit works. So today we have a very spe special message about how God works in our minds and the way we can receive him. Therefore, you will be making decisions today. If you thought you were coming just to sit and to listen, that's not going to be the case. Whether you wanted to do it or not, you will make a decision today. Uh, and I'm not going to force you to it. But the facts are going to show you and are going to tell you you need to decide which side are you going to stay. So before we start, I want you to pray with me. And I want us to start with a prayer asking God to lead us in this study. There is definitely the need for the Holy Spirit to continue guiding us and to continue to allow us to understand his word so as we are praying all i want you to say is lord talk to me that's all you need to say today god will definitely talk to you but you need to ask for that yourself so let's have a word of prayer dear heavenly father thank you for allowing us to be back in your house today thank you for the invitation we received we are here lord and we are here ready to listen to your word Please talk to each one of us. It is necessary for us to see Jesus today. We have this need that no one can filter up. No one can supply unless it's you and your love, your word, 
please allow us to see you one more time. Please, those who are on the internet, wherever they are, Lord, be with them as well. At their homes, at their work, wherever they are today. That they may also feel the presence of your Holy Spirit. And as we open your Bible, may you guide us to the truth according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we're learning about the parable of the sword and the seed. And we're reading on Matthew chapter 13. And I want you to open your Bible with me. And also if you want to look, uh, Mark, the book of Mark and the book of Luke also talk about the same parable. We're sticking with Matthew for right now, but I also we'll, we'll, we will also see Mark, what Mark has to has to say on Mark uh, chapter four, uh, verse uh, thirteen and on. So today we will learn about the the four different soils where the seed is planted or where the seed falls onto. Last week we learned about how the sword went forth to sow. And he took the decision and he went and, to, uh, and he spread the seed. Now we're looking into what kind of soil are we are. What kind of ground are we. When Jesus sends his word, he definitely uses you and me to take the decision and to receive them. According to our decision, it will be the result of it. Today, what we're learning is the different soils that the word falls onto. And the Bible starts opening up by saying... The sword went out to sow. Verse 3, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 and on. And it says, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. The wayside, we usually call it also the hard soil. The soil that is packed, that is compacted. The soil that every, walks, every person walks on. Usually is the type of ground that is going to be hard as rock sometimes, as concrete. Very hard place. And it says that the seed fell onto that place. And it didn't take long before people trampled on it. Birds came over it and took it away. It just didn't give any result. It was on a part of the soil that it was way too hard. Back in 20. 2013, I was preaching in this uh, small town, and I was visiting this town every Sabbath, and I met a couple, and we started having Bible studies. They both decided to come to church, and they started bringing their kids to church as well. And every Sabbath, they would come to church. Their constant prayer was, we need a job. And his prayer was, I want God to give me a job. Can you please pray for me? And we pray for that. And we pray for that. And he finally ended up getting a job. But now he was working on Sabbath. I didn't see him one Sabbath at church. I kind of wonder, well, maybe they're out of town. Maybe they couldn't make it today. I went to see him the, the week after that, after I didn't see him in church two times. And when I went to their homes, to their home, which they had been praying for, uh, to God also to receive that house. They had been praying for a home. Once they got the house, they, they needed a job to pay it. And, and that's what, that was the biggest request. We need a job. And we kept on praying for that. When I went to their house, I knocked on the door and I said, what happened? Why are you coming to church? She said, well, he's working. 
and I'm not feeling well to go to church by myself. And I said, but you need to bring the kids to church. It is important for your kids to grow close to God, to show them that way. And she said, for the time being, I don't think we're going back to church. It made me very sad, knowing that they were deciding at that moment, clearly saying, we're not wanting anything to do with church right now. We're okay the way we are. Now, the Bible opens up saying that when the seed falls by the wayside, it's usually that person that listens to God's word, listens to a beautiful message or a message from God somehow, but it doesn't pay attention to it. Usually the response will be, I don't care. It's my life and I like to live it the way I want to. You shouldn't get involved. Nothing will happen. Have you heard of that comment before? It's just one time, nothing will happen. I'm good the way I am. I know how I'm living my life. Don't get involved. You shouldn't pay attention to me. Stay in your own business. And all of that is good. The problem is that there is somebody doing that in order for you to react that way. And the Bible says that the seed that falls on the ground by the wayside, by the hard soil... Is the type of seed that will not have any fruit because there is somebody taking that seed away every time that seed is being planted. We often find people saying, I don't need God in my life. I'm good the way I am. Why do I need to believe in your God? Well, this couple told me that one time, Pastor, we're not going back to church. We're okay the way we are. And it broke my heart. Because when you talk to your son, when you talk to your daughter, when you talk to your parents, when you talk to that person that you love the most, and you tell them, Jesus loves you, God has a plan for you, and they responded to you saying, I don't care about what you're saying, you know what's coming next. And if you see a little farther down the road, you see that what is coming is not looking good. Because no one that rejects God will have a good ending. There is an ending, and that ending is not good. And it will depend on whether you decide for Jesus or not. There is no more. There's only two places to go to. And the truth is that when I heard those words, I said, but why? Why are you taking that opportunity from these kids, these little ones? I didn't have babies by then. Uh, back then, back in 2013, I, our, our kid wasn't born yet, and, and we didn't know what parenthood looked like. But I only could imagine... Why are you taking your kids away from that opportunity to show them Jesus? I said, do it for your kids. It was a three and a four year old. And I told her, you don't need him to come. I know he's working and, and, and he's doing what he can do. But you should come. And I said, I can even come every Sabbath morning, pick you up, take you to church, and I'll bring you back. Don't worry about how to get to church. And she said, no. Thank you. We are good the way we are. I don't know how many times have you worked for someone when you, where you just find hard soil. And it is just hard to say, God loves you. And in your head, you're thinking, why are they thinking this way? When God has provided so many miracles, when God has provided everything in their lives, and they still have the reaction to say, 
I don't need God in my life. Everyone will come to the point to make a decision. And God works in mysterious ways. Ellen G. White says that in order for the seed to be fruitful, to bear fruit, the ground needs to be broken. You and me, we are the ground. We are the soil. The word of God is the seed. And the sword is Jesus himself. And in order for the seed to be fruitful, the ground needs to be broken. And God has a way to break every single person. Doesn't matter how hard you think you are. Or how tough you might feel. At some point in your life, your strength will fail. And what you're thinking that you have. And the power or effort or, or, or whatever resources you think you have. They will not be there. Because when they tell you that your son is sick. And there is no money that can pay for the treatment. I can say and I can tell you the hearts get softened and broken. At some point, each one of us. We're part of every, we're part of a condition of each of these four areas. The hard soil, which is the first one we're learning about today. Somehow, somebody threw the seed. And I don't know your experience, but I was hard soil as well. I don't know about your case. But God has been working with me every time. Until I understood that my pride was nothing before the Lord. And he has a way to take that prideful heart of yours and put it on the ground. Until we recognize that it's only by his grace and love that we are here. And this is something that the world needs to know as well. We're not here to judge anyone. And we're not here to tell anybody, you're this type of soul, you're this type of soul. We're here to reflect in our own lives. What kind of soil am I? The second soil where the seed falls on, it continues on saying on verse uh, 5, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had not depth of earth. Now the word that he uses is immediately. The stony places. The stony places is also known as the place where there is hardship. The stony places is a place where the, 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 the seed sprungs up quickly but it has no root. It has no foundation. My question would be what are our roots as Christians? In my own faith, what kind of roots do I have? If you want to know a little bit more about this, let's go to Psalms chapter 1. Let's read chapter 1 of Psalms and, and listen to the experience of someone who's rooted in the Lord. Blessed is the man who walks in the council who, do, who, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, it's in the law of the Lord. 
And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. When that seed has roots, that seed is prosperous. When my life is rooted to Christ, it doesn't matter how hot it gets outside, how tough it can be, that person stays connected. See, the one that stays on the stony places are the superficial uh, experience or experimental Christians. The ones that believe that there is a God, the one that believes that there is somewhat of, a, a, of an experience to believe to, to happen at church every, every weekend. But there is not, nothing more than that. It, it's just a mere reflection. But there is nothing internal. There is not a deep connection with it. There is not a source where he could draw water every time he's thirsty. It's just that one part. And, and, and usually when troubles come... It gets dry. Now we have seen a lot of Christians walking into churches. And for a number of days we see them with a great attitude and a great smile. And all of a sudden you say, whoa, something happened here. But three, four months later you never hear them again. And never see them again. And this is sad. But everyone will make a decision According to what soil you have in your mind. This couple that I tell you about, I believe they were in this type of soil. They had a superficial life uh, experience. And I am no one to judge. I'm telling you the experience of, of what the Bible says happens when troubles come into someone's life and you're sitting on the stony places. God has a way to call everybody. I was sleeping at 2 in the morning. And that was Sabbath morning. I was at her house around 8 in the morning. Telling her I can give you a ride if you need to. Uh, let's bring your kids to church. And I'll bring you back. And she said it straight out. No pastor. I don't want to go to church. And for, for now I think we're okay. Without visiting anybody. Without having any visits. Um, if anything happens we'll let you know. For right now, we're okay. And I went back to church, and I told the church, let's pray for this family. But it is tough. And, and maybe you have been there. Maybe you at some point have said, you know what, I don't want anything with God right now. I think I'm good where I am. The problem is that Satan is also ready to take that seed away and to do whatever he wants to do with your life when you're not covered by Jesus. It was 2 in the morning that night. It was Sabbath, Sunday morning, 2 in the morning. And I received a call. And he said, Pastor, there was an accident. And I said, what happened? The family was coming back from a, a party, 2 in the morning, driving on the road. Some drunk uh, driver passed them by and uh, pushed them out of the road. By the time I, I, I visited them the next day, she was in coma. The little boy died on the spot. 
he flew out of the car. The girl was debating between her dead and life, and and the guy was completely burned with uh, third degree burns as he tried to lift up the engine when the engine was resting on her wife's uh, chest, and he was completely burned. And they asked me, who's going to tell her once she wake up that her son is dead? I directed that funeral service, and that's one of the toughest things I've done in, in my ministry, dealing with someone that a few hours before I've just told him, this is the day of salvation. This is the time where you need to make decisions for God. And hours later, we're thinking about death and tragedy. But the world that we live on is telling us that every day we make decisions, whether for God or not. And you can't keep on thinking, well, in the near future, I'll, I'll, I'll say something, or, or maybe next year, or maybe when I retire, or, or maybe uh, in a couple of years more. The truth is that today is the day of salvation. And when the, when the sower went out to sow, he threw the seed, expecting that seed to bear fruit. And he expected that seed to have some sort of uh, victory and accomplishment. But the truth is that the seed fell on four different grounds. There were four different types of soil. Therefore, not everyone that listens God's word means that we'll be saved. There are numbers who are called, but there are just few that will be chosen. And the reason who, who, who decides who is chosen or not is not Jesus himself. It's you and me. We decide what kind of soil we want to be. We are the ones that decide where do we want to stand. The beautiful part about the parables is that every parable that he finishes, he never dictates who's going to be safe or not. He says, let it go until the harvest comes. And when the harvest comes, we will see who are uh, with or who are theirs. And right now, everyone has the decision, everyone has the, has the ability to choose where you want to be in the kingdom of God. But the reality is that I had to deal with that family for a number of months. And just in my heart, I said, but why, Lord? Why, when we have the chance to decide, we put this for later, thinking that we own the time. Or thinking that we own the future, that we can control the outcomes when we cannot even control it's very, this very second that we're living on. Well, this is the reality that Jesus is talking about. There was, a, there was a second soil, and he says that they have no root in themselves, so they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. There are three things that the parables describe on the book of Mark. When you, when you read uh, the gospel of Mark, he describes three things. And when you read the parables, especially this parable in the three uh, gospels, uh, Matthew, Luke, and Mark, you will see the three areas that Jesus describes as the areas that uh, will take away the seed uh, on the ground that is thorny, the, 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 the thorny ground or the crowded place. That's how we call it as well. Uh, there is a third seed. 
that falls into the place where there are thorns and the thorns don't let it grow. And as it tries to get nutrients and, and minerals to keep on growing, it just dies because it doesn't have enough space to leave on. That's the crowded place. And the crowded place also tells us that it comes with three areas, three areas that the crowded place gets uh, affected by. The cares for this world, the richness of this life, and the deceitfulness of this world. It's interesting how it seems that these people are busy doing good things, you know. These people are busy working. These people are busy providing. They want to do something good. But in the middle of that, trying to do something good, they forget about the connection with God. There is no prayer. There is no study. There is nothing else. And the crowd of places starts getting crowded and crowded. And it just dies. And maybe that could be our experience too. Because we, get to, we tend to get too busy as, as Christians. Sometimes our agenda is super busy. But throughout the day, we, we have to visit a people. And, and I'm talking about myself. I have to visit a member. I have to go pray for this other family. And I have to get this done by the end of the week. And I have all these things. And what time do I get to pray? What time do I get to study the Bible for me or myself? And you see, the one seed that falls into the crowded spot, it's a very good seed, and it wants to grow. But it has not a space to grow since everything else is packing onto it. And that could be our experience, too. As Christians, we, we tend to do very good deeds for others. But we forget about our relationship with God as well. Let's read about it. Matthew chapter 13. Now, verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. They listen to the word. Verse 19. And the cares for this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Sometimes as parents, we try to provide for our kids the best things we can. And if it's not entertainment, it's a gift. If it's not a gift, it's a place. If it's not a place, it's uh, some sort of reward, which all of those are good things. But we miss or we lack on presenting them to Jesus himself. And we try to fill that hole or that emptiness with all these things surrounded by, which is good. But when trouble comes, the only place where they can find some refuge and comfort it's in God himself. When I am not close to them, their video game, their car, their bike, whatever I, brought, I bought them, it's not going to be enough for them to understand life in itself. That's why I need to take consideration how am I providing for my son or daughter? What am I putting in their minds? How am I cultivating that soil? 
So I might be doing really good things around. But I could be missing the best or the most important one. Which is planting God's seeds in their hearts. Now this, these people are deceived. And, and, and you see the richness of this world. It's interesting how money is combined to, to, to which area am I aiming to. But the truth is that even, even the Apostle Paul and Peter says that the root of all evil is the love of what? Money. And it's interesting because where your heart is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And, and, and it's interesting how these individuals are listening to the word. They hear the word. But when troubles come, when the storms come, when all these needs are there, then they tend to put the word aside and they say, well, I'm going to take over from now on. The word of God has been good, but from here on, I need to do it myself because God is not doing what he needs to do. And this type of people are the ones that tend to rely more, more on their own ways of doing things. Let's see what Jesus says about it. Mark chapter 4. Come to me, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And he said to them, do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where there is word, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes it away, takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. Who's the one that takes away the word of God? Satan himself. And if we were to open a little bit more onto this uh, comment, sometimes we become helpers of Satan in that aspect. Oftentimes we see somebody walking into church and we, and instead of saying good morning, how are you, glad to see you, we tend to say, oh wait, look at the shoes she's wearing. Look at the color of the, of the dress. And quickly we are helping so that seed won't stay. People often walk away from church. Because they felt that this place wasn't as welcoming. And I'm not talking about our church here in Williams Lake. I'm talking in general. Satan is immediately comes and takes that seed away. Be careful. With the way we make comments. With the way we proceed to others. Because everyone has a different level of matureness. And maybe I am just a fresh seed that has been planted. And it's maybe by the roadside. And it's probably a little bit too far into the road. But God somehow is working. And is bringing me in. And he's doing his work. But maybe when I face somebody with a different attitude. That could probably just the one push I needed to be for me to get out. And that's why we have to be so careful. Because everyone has a different time. When it comes to the seed. Not every seed comes in the right in the in the same season. Every seed has its own season. 
and no one can push that seed to grow faster or to grow slower. God has a timing for everyone in this aspect. And I cannot compare myself to someone else's experience. And I cannot compare my Christianity to someone else's Christianity. Everyone has its own way of seeing life and facing it. And in this process, Satan is quickly there to take it away. That's why we have to be careful. Have you seen when you planted your, your new flowers, new plants, you put them in a very special place where sun is not going to hit them that hard or the rain is not going to be hitting it straight. And you try to protect it to such a way until it blooms because you know it's in a very special one. It's the same way when we have visitors at church, when we have new families at church. We should all protect them because Satan is quickly there to take away the seed. And the Bible keeps saying on verse uh, uh, 15 and 16. Verse 16, it says, This likewise the one sown on a stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately received it with gladness. I am intrigued by how the Bible describes it, that when they hear the word, they immediately get it. I often work with youth, with the young ones, and, and I feel so happy when they see in their faces and they grab the concept of how salvation works and they tell you, is that how it works? And you're like, you got it. This is how it works. All you have to do is give your life to Jesus. He'll do the rest for you. The ones that, that are by the stony places, they immediately get the word and they love it and they receive it with gladness. Now, this is a principle here. No one is forced. No one is pushed. No one is, 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 is forced to get into it. The way the seed works is that it's being received. The way the Bible, the word of God works is that you receive it in your heart. No one can force that onto you. And the more you try to break the soil with your own ways, the more you try to go into that soil, forcing it, the worse is going to become. And sometimes we tend to do that as well. We try to force it on people that they end up hating it. And maybe that was your case. You were forced to come to church. You were forced to be part of this community. You were forced to do this. That as soon as you got the chance, you were completely gone. Because the seed is never forced into the ground. If anything is being deposited there. And it takes its time. And the Bible continues saying in verse uh, 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of, richness, of riches. And the desires of other things. Entering and choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world. You know. We tend to worry so much about everything. Whether it's work, whether it's economy, whether it's uh, the politics, whether it's the country, whether it's the community. And I'm saying, be worried to a point, but don't let that trouble you to an extent that you lose sight of who's your provider. Jesus said on John chapter 14, verse 1 and on, he said, but you believe in God, believe also in me. 
Don't let your heart be troubled. The cares of this world. How often do we get so busy thinking, man, Sabbath is coming and I have nothing ready for Sabbath. And I need to get this done. I need to get this done. And all those things are good for you to get done. But they take you so, so to, the, to the point. You get so busy to the extreme that you lose sight of who you're worshiping on Sabbath. Because you wanted to get everything else ready. And you lose sight of the relationship you need to have with him before. The cares of this world. Jesus said, let each day, each day has its own load. And worry just about today. Tomorrow, it will come. And you'll deal with it when it comes. Sometimes we're sitting here and we're thinking what's happening in a year down the road. There's no way you'll know what happens tomorrow. You see, it's not easy to stand up here. And I'm not saying it because of myself. I'm saying it because of everybody here. You're competing with CNN, Netflix, Disney Channel, Apple TV, all these different shows that present you so many good things that you just stay focused on them. That the meaning that you're sitting here doesn't mean that your mind is here. You could be physically sitting here, but you could be so worried about something else. The cares of this world. That you're completely in a different area. In a different planet. That's why when you came today. And we opened the Bible. We said Go, God talk to me. Allow me to hear your voice. Because it has come to the point. That it's just hard to listen to God's word. It's hard. Everywhere you go, there are things that drive your mentality and your sight away from Jesus. Everything around don't allow us to see him. There are so many things happening out there. Good things in many cases. But they are not letting us see God for who he is. And today, you need to tell Jesus and I need to tell God myself, I need to have that relationship with you. God has a way. Ellen uh, G.Y. says that in order for the seed to be fruitful and to bear fruit, it needs to go into the ground. And in order for the ground to allow the seed to happen, it needs to be broken. God has a way to soften the heart of even the hardest man in there, out there. He did it with my dad. During a number of years, my dad was a, an elder of this church. And he was a very good one. He opened many churches. And he always do, he, he was always doing Bible studies. He was always doing work for the church. But there was something that was not there clicking completely. I was too young to notice that. Now that I remember, I can see how his life was developing. His, his life was maturing. But when I was 10, they left the church. And they decided to go in a different way. Just as you can do that too. I just tell you, I don't recommend you to do it. You can try it, but I don't recommend it. For those of you who have lived outside the realm of Jesus in this aspect, you know what the world looks like. And, and it doesn't look that great. 
It might seem good, but once you're there, you'll understand that it wasn't a good idea. And I would see my parents fighting every every other day and and, and my dad cheating on my mom and, and doing so many bad things around the house. And for the first time, I saw him drinking alcohol and, and our lives went completely sideways. And I remember that the reason why we came back to church it was because he was in jail and, and the lady who was taking his case was uh, the lawyer who was doing it was a Seventh-day Adventist. And she said to him, you should go to church or you should take your kids to church. We have a... Um, we have meetings happening this week, and that would be a good place for you to go. My dad said, well, I used to be an elder of that church. She didn't know we were at Seventh-day Adventists growing up. She didn't know anything about us, but she still invited us. I went with my mom to that church. That one night, the, one, the only one night that we went, uh, Pastor Marshall Gonzalez from uh, Texas, he was preaching there. And, and, and I remember he said, if you want God to start working with you, if you want God to change your mind, your soil, your character, this is the time. Come up to the front. And I was 17. I was 16 turning 17. And I was sitting on that pew and I said, I don't believe in you. I don't think you exist. The past six, seven years of my life, we have gone through, through the most terrible things. And you haven't been there. I, I know I heard about you when I was in, in, in beginner's class and... And when I was a kid, and I even went to Adventist schools all my life, and I've heard that from you, from my teachers, but now that I've experienced my own life, I don't believe that you exist. And I was there praying, and I was there sitting down thinking, why am I here? How is it that I end up here, sitting here? I was 17, 16, and my mom just told me, you want to come with me to church? And I said, yes, but I didn't know why would I say yes to that. And the pastor said that night, if you want God to do something in your life, this is the time for you to come up to the altar. And I was struggling with that pew, trying to get up, and I just couldn't get up. And I, I know you have been in that position where you want to do something for God, and you just can't do it. I ended up giving up on my own character, on my own self, and I said, if you exist, I want you to show me. So I got up, and I stood there. And the pastor prayed for me, and he said, and I said to God, to God myself, if you really exist, I need you to show me. I don't know how you're going to do it or what you're going to do, but I definitely want to have an experience with you, if that's true. If not, I want you to leave me alone and let me do my life the way I want to. It took us a full year to come back to church. It was just that one night, and we went home, and we kept on living the same way, and my family was going crazy left and right, and I would tell my mom, leave my dad. Divorce him. We don't need him anymore. We're, we're old enough. You can do it on your own. We'll help you. You don't need to continue on that relationship that we're just tired of. But that's when it comes to play a woman that prays, a woman that seeks God every single day, praying for her children and for her husband. And, and, and I don't know how, but God made that change in my life, not in my dad yet, in my life, that a year after I went to church, and I don't know how I ended up at that church, but I am still here. Weeks later, I came to my dad after attending to church, and I said, Dad, why you, why you don't come to church? You should come to church. And my dad said, look, and he was drunk at that moment. He said, look, God hasn't talked to me yet as to when I'm coming back to church. 
But when he does that, I will come back to church and I will never leave. And I understood God has a way to work in every soil and he has his time on every person. He has a way and a, and a process. My dad is not perfect. My mom is not perfect either. But they're still together out there south of Mexico. Believing in God's promise and, and, and waiting for his return. How did God change his heart? I don't know. But he was a tough man that wouldn't even clean a dish and would never iron his clothes. And now he sweeps the house, he cleans the dishes, and he irons his own clothes. And I'm telling you about a Mexican family that is very strange uh, in the old ways. And he was changed. And when you talk to my dad now, you hear about a soft guy. <laughs> and, and, and we wouldn't even be able to walk into the room before knocking and waiting for him to say, yes, you can come in. Now my kids can run up and down on his bed and he won't say anything. And I guess that happens sometimes with sons and grandpas and, and the way they change. But the truth is that the gospel can change anyone's heart. And God has the power to do that with you. Because he did it with my dad. He's done it with me. And he can also do it with your loved ones. But we have to work and we have to pray that the soil that God is using is the good soil. And how does that happen? How does that work? It's that relationship that we establish with Him. That dependence of, on Him. It is important for us to understand. He said it in John chapter 14, 15. He said, I am the vine. I am the one that, that provides the fruit, the, 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 the nutrients. You are the branches. And while you are connected to me, you will bear fruits. But if you are not connected to me, you will die. And you will dry it up. And as, look, and as beautiful as it can look, the branch only can bear fruit if it's connected to the tree. If it's not connected, it can look very nice on a nice table setting. It could look very nice on a picture. It could be very pleasant to see it anywhere else. But it will not have fruit because it has no life. The only way we can bear fruit is if we are connected to the source. And the source is Jesus himself. And now he opens up to talk about the third way or the fourth area, the fourth soil. The, the place where, where the seed is planted and the soil is ready to be taken in. And let's read about it. We can see this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 8. But others fell on good ground and yield a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. And Mark chapter 4, verse 20, it talks about it and says, But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. How can I become a good soil? A good ground. The decisions that we take will help us either get closer to God or get farther out from Him. The decisions that you take today will dictate if you want to be a soil where God can deposit His truth or you don't. Our minds is the place where God is depositing 
depositing his truth. And it's our decision whether we want to allow him to be there or not. It is important to say, to, 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 uh, to remark that the word he uses is the ones who received the truth. If you notice, the process is never being forceful. It's not imposed. It's by receiving and accepting God in our lives. God has a timing. And he will give you the time that you need. But eventually you will come to that path where you have to take one road. And you will have to decide whether you are for God or against him. Because the ones that are not with him are against him. And this is something that the world needs to know as well. But how can I share this with others? Let me tell you. Jesus had said himself, in this, they shall know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. There is a key ingredient in all this equation that makes sense. And that is God's love for us. When you love others, you start softening the ground that is very hard at some point. Because the troubles of this life gets our hearts hard. To the point that we cannot listen anymore. The acts of kindness. Allow us to introduce the seed of God in people's hearts. Someone at some point in their life. Took their time. To bring us that knowledge. In our case. It was my grandma and Cole Porters as well. Have you ever heard of Coke Porters? Have you seen one? We don't have them that often anymore. But they used to come knocking on doors and say, would you, would you like to get this book? Would you like to get this edition of so and so? And that was a way they would enter their homes. And they would open the Bible. And many of us were converted by their work. And we heard about many stories of people coming into town this way and that way. Now, it is our privilege... To work with Jesus, planting the seed on someone else's heart too. And I say it as a privilege, because there's no greater work than to be able to be next to the master, saving people. Today we have that opportunity. And you also have the chance to decide what kind of soil you want to be. I want us to pray that we become a garden where the Holy Spirit can work, walk and work and it can be a beautiful place so others can see I pray to God that as my kids are growing he continues to work on their soil so that ground never becomes hardened to the process of the Holy Spirit but it stays soft where the seed can flourish in your Christian experience the years and the number of times you have been here I don't know what kind of soul you have, but it's only by being connected and rooted to the ground where the fresh waters are that you will be able to continue on this path. I encourage you today to reflect on, to reflect on God's word, to see his job, his work in your life, and to understand that he's given you now the chance for you to do 
exactly what he has done for you unto others. What a great Sabbath we have ahead of us. And this beautiful day that God is showing us. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God wants to do this with you. Today is the day that God wants to use you. He did it with my family. I know he can do it with yours too. It's not always been easy, huh? And let me finish with this. Thinking that you're going to become a fruitful seed is not easy. It usually takes storms and rainy days for that seed to start bearing some fruit. But it's the only way it can happen. And sometimes it's a painful way. But in order for the spirit to bear its, its fruits on us, it needs to move our own character. So we can let those things go and he can add up more things into our lives. I don't know what God is doing in yours. What process you're going through. But I tell you, there is no better way or no better place to be than in God's hands. There is no better place for you to be today than in God's house. God has a way to work with each one of us. All you have to say is, God, do what you want to do with me. And I tell you, God will do it. God will change what he needs to change. Now, it is also time for us to learn not to keep this with us. But to go out and to share with others. There is a world out there that are expecting to see the theory combined with the practice. There is a world waiting to see the seed now bearing its fruit. This parable also teaches us that at some point all those good seeds that are in a good ground need to bear fruit. You cannot be a good seed without the fruits. And by their fruits, you shall know them. And these fruits are of compassion and love. Therefore, I welcome you to this compassionate church, full of love. Because God is working among us. The community will see this church and they will listen and they will understand that God is here. Not because we know the Bible, not because we can memorize it, but because we are living it. And the way we're living is by sharing with others what God is doing on us. May God bless you and you have a happy Sabbath as well. God be with you. Let's have a word of prayer and I want you to stand with me. And after that, we're going to remain standing, uh, singing our last hymn. Heavenly Father, thank you for not giving up on us. Even when we are hard soil, your spirit is constant, always there, watering the ground. Softening in order for it to have the good environment where your word can flourish. We pray for each family 
in our church today. And we pray for those who are online seeing us this morning. May you bless them as well. If there is doubtness in the heart, if there is cares and troubles, may you put those aside so we can have this encounter with Jesus today. Today we want to tell you that we accept you as our Lord and Savior. And we pray for the families who are here and the ones who couldn't make it. Especially for our visitors, Lord. That you continue to work with each one of us. And as we work together, may we present to the world the love that you have shown us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.